sin is not a very popular topic (laughs) in the religious world because it reveals something. It reveals the universal weakness in us all. What is sin? I'm so glad you asked. Listen, sin is any action that violates the laws of God. Sin is any action that violates the laws of God. The first sin was committed when the first human being violated the law of God. Not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because the first human being violated the law of God. Every human being thereafter inherited an innate weakness to violate the laws of God. We naturally violate the laws of God. As one writer says, and I quote, our carnal reality is sinful, not in the sense that that sin is equated with the body, but in the sense that we are determined by sin in our carnal being, end quote. He says we are determined by sin. In other words, sin has us all in a fixed position to inherently oppose God. Opposition to God is in our nature. And sin, that is to say, opposition to and violation of the laws of God, comes with consequences. God told the first human being, Uh, uh, God told the first human being that violation of the law would result in the consequence of death. Consequently, Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's Romans 5.12. So he says all have sinned. In other words, we are all born with the innate predisposition to disobey and rebel against the things of God. Just look around you. Therefore, we are all bound to suffer the consequences of disobedience and rebellion against God. Paul said sin entered the world. And I might add that as a result of sin entering the world, every Human being is born with the same need. Every human being is born with the same need. Every human being is born with the same need. That includes us all. Hmm. In In this context, need is a condition caused by the lack of something. Need is a condition caused by the lack of something. Thus, sin entered the world and caused us all to have the same need and to lack the same thing. Our condition, our sinful condition, as I said, is universal. It affects the entire world. And Jesus came into this world specifically to address this universal human need. Jesus came into the world specifically to address this universal human need. In Matthew 9, 
12, in Matthew 9, 12, Matthew 9, 12, Matthew 9, 12, Jesus says, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Is that what it says? For I am come to call the I am I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Is that what he says? He says, I am come not to I am not I have not I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus clearly addresses the universal human need to be what? To be righteous. And he uses the analogy of the sick in need of a physician versus those who are not sick and not in need of a physician. Because he says, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what this tells us then is that one is either a sinner and not righteous or one is righteous and not a sinner. One is either uh, either a sinner and not righteous or one is righteous and not a sinner. In this context, righteous in the Greek is dikaios, 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 d-i-k-a-i-o-s, dikaios, d-i-k-a-i-o-s, dikaios, that which is right, that which is conformable to right, that which is pertaining to right, dikaios, d-i-k-a-i-o-s, that which is right, conformable to right, pertaining to right. That which is just. Dikaios. That which is right. Conformable to right. Pertaining to right. That which is just. So, as a result of sin entering into the world, we're not right. We don't conform to right. We don't do things that pertain to right. We are not just. Romans 3.10. Romans 3.10. We don't conform to right. We're not right. We don't do things that pertain to right. We are not just. Romans 3.10. Paul says, For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. In other words, he's saying our unrighteousness is universal. Our ignorance of spiritual things is universal. Our resistance to the things of God is universal. Our rebellion is universal. There is none righteous. No, not one. And so Jesus came into this world. He suffered. He bled. He died and resurrected to meet the universal human need for righteousness. Jesus came to make us righteous. Jesus came to make us righteous. 
2 Corinthians 5.21 says, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus was righteous and without sin. Therefore, he was in the position to bear the consequences of our sin and sins and meet our universal need to be righteous. Jesus paid the debt of sin so that we could have access to his righteousness. Jesus paid the debt of sin so that we could have access to his righteousness. The greatest human need is to be righteous. Righteousness is the defining line between those who are with God and those who are not. The greatest human need is to be righteous. Righteousness is the defining line between those who are with God and those who are not. Romans 6.17. Romans 6.17. But God be thanked. That ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. So he says we were born servants to sin. (laughs) Better yet, we were involuntarily located to sin. We were born slaves in bondage to sin with no way of escape. Then he tells us how we were set free from the bondage and slavery of sin. He says we obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to us. In other words, we did what was necessary to escape the bondage of sin and become righteous. We obeyed the doctrine. What doctrine? The doctrine of the Apostle Christ Jesus. The Apostle Christ Jesus. We obeyed the doctrine of the Apostle Christ Jesus. Turn to John, 2 John 1, 9. I want you to really understand what John is saying here and how profound and how revealing what John says is. Second, uh, Second John 1, 9. Second John 1, 9. Whosoever transgresseth, transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Is that what it says? He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. That's 2 John 1 9. Do you understand what he is saying here? This is most profa- a most profound statement. Mm-hmm. Doctrine is a rule or principle 
that forms the basis of a belief. Doctrine is a rule or principle that forms the basis of a belief. Listen closely. So those who do not profess the principles of Christ that form the basis of belief in him are not of God. However, those who do profess the principles of Christ that form the basis of belief in him have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Are you understanding what he's saying? Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Let me give you an example. There is a large, listen, there is a large percentage of religious organizations that do not profess the doctrine of Christ. They believe that being born of the water, being fully immersed in a pool of water, and being born of the Spirit, receiving the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues as he gives the ability, they believe that these are not necessary prerequisites for salvation. That's about 99% of the so-called religious organizations. So what that tells us, based on what John said, is they have not God. That's why I said that's profound. That's profound. Mm. However, in John 3, 5, John 3, 5, the doctrine of Christ says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's the doctrine of Christ. That they abideth not in. There's a whole bunch of folks going to hell. A whole bunch of folks going to hell. Jesus said that, though. He said they're going to say, Lord, Lord. Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You didn't abide in my doctrine. You refused to be to baptize in my name for the remission of sins. And I gave the order in my doctrine. I said, you must be born of the water and you must be born of the spirit. You did not abide in my doctrine. So I don't know you. I never knew you. You're a worker of iniquity. Mm. And they do it so blatantly. You Jesus only folks. I had a professor tell me in theology school uh, uh, that baptism in Jesus name is bad theology. But then he said the B-I-B-L-E is the book for me. The point here is that the kingdom of God is the only place of salvation for the soul. The kingdom of God is the only place of salvation for the soul. And anyone who denies this doctrine is not of God. They are unrighteous. On the other hand, those who believe this doctrine have been born of the water and born of the spirit. They are in the kingdom of God. Their souls have been saved. They are righteous. And this is the only doctrine. There's only one doctrine. 
It is the doctrine of the apostle Christ Jesus. Someone asks you, what, what is your faith? Because we are not a denomination. I've said that before. We are not a denomination. We are the original church. We stand on the original doctrine of the apostle Jesus Christ. He's the chief apostle. His doctrine is apostolic. We are apostolic because we follow the apostolic doctrine of the apostle Jesus Christ. And there's only one doctrine. You must be born of the water and you must be born of the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. And you must have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues as he gives the utterance or you are unrighteous. And I don't care who you are, how big your ministry is or how small your ministry is. If you don't baptize in the name of Jesus, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you are a devil and you're unrighteous unrighteous you are unrighteous you do not have the righteousness of God and he will tell you I don't know you I never knew you Hmm. Hebrews 3 1 Hebrews 3 1 wherefore holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle and high priest of our profession who is that Christ Jesus Isn't that what it says? Hebrews 3.1. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. He says Christ Jesus is the apostle of our profession. In other words, Christ is the founder of what we, the partakers of the heavenly invitation, profess. What do we profess? We profess the doctrine of the apostle Christ Jesus. Why? Hebrews 12, 2. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 12, 2. Right. You need to put these in your arsenal when folks are trying to challenge you. Yes. Hebrews 12, 2. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Yes. And what is our faith? Our faith is the apostolic doctrine of the apostle Christ Jesus. Yes. This is the form of doctrine we heard and believed that delivered us from sin and made us righteous. This is the form of doctrine we heard and believed that delivered us from sin and made us righteous. We just heard the Apostle Christ Jesus say one must be born of the water and of the spirit. And he authorized and revealed to another apostle, Peter, the doctrine by which souls are born of the water and born of the spirit. There's only one doctrine. There's only one gospel. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized every one of every one of you, every one of you, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why, Peter? For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And he's calling everybody. But so many are not answering the call. So this is the form of doctrine that we obeyed from the heart. This is the apostolic doctrine of Christ Jesus that we heard, we believed, we accepted and were made righteous. How are you made righteous? By Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38 is the formula to become righteous. You can't be righteous without Acts 2.38. Mm. 
And now because we obeyed that form of doctrine that was delivered from us, we are free from sin. No longer are we servants and slaves to sin. We are righteous. Our universal need to be righteous has been thoroughly satisfied. We are now able to yield and surrender our bodies to the Lord as servants of righteousness and true holiness. We are righteous. We are the righteousness of God. We are free from sin. No longer are we held in the bondage of sin by the infirmities and the weaknesses of our flesh. We are righteous. We are the saints of the Most High. We are righteous. We are free from the bondage of sin and we are free from the bondage of keeping the law. What shall we say then? That the, the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness? Even the righteousness which is of faith? But Israel which followed after the law of righteousness, have not attained to the law of righteousness. So we got something that the Jews don't have even today. He says, we don't have to strive to keep the law to be righteous. But the Jews who keep the law are not righteous. What's the difference? Well, the Gentiles are righteous. How? Through faith in the apostolic doctrine of Christ Jesus, which frees them from the law. Isn't that simple? Isn't that simple? We are. We are righteous through faith in the apostolic doctrine of Christ Jesus, which freed us from the law. The Jews reject the work of Christ and maintain that they can be righteous through keeping the law, which is absolutely impossible. That's also why it's ridiculous for someone to think you can backslide. Once you're saved, once you're really saved. Once you're baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, once you're, you can't backslide because you're free from the law. You're not under the law. Hallelujah. And I, I say it all the time. Your soul gets saved. Your flesh does not. And so you got these arrogant folks who think they can keep themselves saved. You can't keep yourself saved. You can't keep yourself righteous. You can't keep yourself holy. That's the job of the Holy Ghost. That's what he does. He keeps us holy. He keeps us righteous. He keeps us clean. He's going to present us faultless. Mm. Romans 10.3. Paul explains why the Jews cannot be righteous. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's Romans 10.3. He says the Jews are ignorant of God's righteousness. And they have the audacity and the unmitigated gall to believe that they can reject the righteousness of God and establish their own righteousness. Got a lot of non-Jews think they can do that too. Oh, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't, I don't step on ants. Earlier we learned that sin has us in a fixed position to inherently oppose God. Opposition to God is human nature. Well, the Jews rejected the righteousness of God in Paul's day. And to this day, the Jews are still rejecting rejecting the righteousness of God, along with a whole lot of folks who call themselves Christians. 
Because if you deny being baptized in the name of Jesus, if you deny being born of the water and being born of the spirit, then you've established your own righteousness. And you don't have the righteousness of God. So you're ignorant of God's righteousness. And that's a prime example. That as a result of sin, opposition to God is human nature. I mean, how clearly, how, how clearer can it be? Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You sing songs about him, but you won't go down in his name. You talk about how he, how he loves you so much, but you won't go down in his name. You talk about how he died on the cross, suffered and died and rose on the third day, but you won't go down in his name. Because you got your own righteousness. You have the audacity to say it doesn't take all that. No, it didn't take all that. They whipped him all night long, but they didn't take all that. He carried that. He was naked and carried the cross up the hill, but it didn't take all of that. They nailed him to the cross and he was there in pain and agony. Oh, but it didn't take all of that. He hung his head and gave up the ghost and died. Oh, but it didn't take all, didn't need to take all of that. Then they buried him and he rose again. But it doesn't take all that. How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is that? You claim to know him and you don't know him at all. You don't know him at all. Mm. This inherent opposition hindered the Jews from accepting the truth that Jesus came to them first. Jesus came to his own people to free them from the bondage of sin caused by transgressing the law that they could not keep. However, they would not and will not accept the apostolic doctrine of the apostle Christ Jesus. We cannot accept apostolic doctrine because we are Methodists. We are African Methodist Episcopals. We are Baptists. We are Southern Missionary Baptists. We are Baptist Baptists. Then they tried to, to have a hybrid. You know how like you got the hybrid electric, electricity and gas in a car? Well, they now call themselves Bapticostals. I'm a Bapticostal. They have established their own righteousness. There's only one doctrine, and it's not Bapticostalism. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. He says Moses brought righteousness which is of the law. That is to say those who kept the law were righteous, which was and is impossible. That's why you got those folk that you can backslide. They think they can keep the law. 
The law could not be kept. Therefore, no one could be righteous. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That's Romans 8, 3. He says Christ is the end of the law. He brought an end to the righteousness that comes by keeping the law. By his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. He freed souls from the obligation to keep the law, and he established the righteousness that only comes by faith in his doctrine. If you don't believe the doctrine of Christ, you cannot be saved. If you don't believe the doctrine of Christ, you cannot be righteous. Romans 10, 6 is another uh, uh, passage of scripture that they, 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 they corrupt. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. The righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. So the righteousness which of faith says, listen, Christ doesn't have to come down to earth again to atone for our sins. His sacrifice on the cross accomplished our atonement once and for all. The righteousness of faith, which is a faith, says Christ doesn't have to resurrect again from the dead again. After his crucifixion, Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he rose from the dead, and his doctrine guarantees that every soul that is born of the water, born of the spirit, shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. They have perverted this passage of scripture and they they say this is all you have to do to be saved. They totally disregard what Jesus says. He says the word, which in this context is not loma, it logo, logos, it's rhema. Rhema is the intentional utterance of a living voice. Rhema is the intentional utterance of a living voice. Rhema is a solid statement out of firmly held belief. Rhema is a solemn statement out of a firmly held belief. So he says the word of faith, the rhema of faith. The solemn statement of your firm belief is in you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. And if you speak your rhema of faith, if you speak the solemn statement of your belief and declare that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he suffered, bled, died to save you from your sins. If you declare that on the third day, Jesus resurrected by the power of the Holy Ghost and freed you from the curse of the law. If you are born of the water and born of the spirit as proof of your faith, you shall receive the righteousness of faith. He says, for with the heart man believeth. 
by believing with your heart, by accepting the apostolic doctrine of the Apostle Christ Jesus in the core of your being, and by making an audible declaration of your belief, and by confirming your belief through the baptisms of water and of the Spirit as the Apostle instructed, you are made righteous. So the point here is that we don't have to keep the law to be righteous. We are righteous, how? By the righteousness which is of faith. And Abraham set the precedent in Romans 4.3. Romans 4.3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. But to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. We're righteous by our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. So Abraham believed God and it made him righteous. We believe God and we are made righteous. Abraham's faith made him righteous. Our faith makes us righteous. Abraham's iniquities were forgiven and his sins were covered. Our iniquities are forgiven and our sins are covered. Abraham was blessed because the Lord did not impute sin on his soul. We are blessed because the Lord will not impute sin on our souls. And this is according to a principle established by Christ. Romans 5.13. Romans 5.13. I hope this is making sense to you. Until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed. Where there is no law. He says sin is not imputed. Sin is not chargeable. Sin is not a penalty where there is no law. In other words, listen, listen closely. One cannot be charged for violating the law if there is no law to violate. How can you backslide if you're free from the law? All right, One cannot be charged for violating the law if there's no law to violate. We are free from the law. Yes, yes. That's the beauty of the doctrine of the Apostle Christ Jesus. We are free from the law. There is no law for us to violate because we're free from it. Those of us who receive the righteousness of faith by obeying the apostolic doctrine of Christ, we are no longer under the law. We are under the protection of the grace of God, which is the Holy Ghost, who promises to keep us sealed until the day of redemption. John 1.17, John 1.17. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses. 
But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. When God sacrificed body and blood through Jesus Christ, the law given Moses was now nullified. When God sacrificed his body and blood through Jesus Christ, the law that was given to Moses was now nullified. The law that came by Moses could not make us righteous, plus it never applied to us anyway. But the spirit of grace and the spirit of truth that makes us righteous came to us and it is in us by Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Why, Paul? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, capitalized S. So we walk after the Holy Ghost. That's Romans 8, 2. So we are righteous. We have the righteousness not of the law, but we have the righteousness of faith. We are righteous and therefore we are legally entitled. Listen to this. We are righteous and therefore we are legally entitled to all the benefits of the righteous. We are legally entitled to all the benefits of the righteous. Let me run a few of them by you. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. 34, 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and deliver them out of all their trouble. 3419, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. 3725, I've been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. 3729, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell there forever. 3739, The salvation of the righteous is the Lord. The salvation of the righteous is the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. Did you get that? 37, 39. The salvation of the righteous is the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the foot of the righteous to be moved. Proverbs 10.3. Proverbs 10.3. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but will cast away the substance of the wicked. Proverbs 10.30. The righteous shall never be removed. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. 11.28. He that trusteth in riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. 13.25. The righteous shall eat and eat to be satisfied of the soul. The righteous shall eat it to the satisfying of the soul, but the belly of the wicked shall want. 15.26. In the house of the righteous is much treasure. Mm -hmm. 
We have this treasure in our earthen vessels, as Paul says. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Sister Swansea, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth in and are safe. The name of the Lord, the name of Jesus is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into him and we are safe. Why? Because we obeyed his doctrine. We abide in his doctrine. And now we are in the kingdom of God. We are in the safety of the kingdom of God. For God hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are righteous. We are righteous. We are righteousness, righteous because we have the righteousness of faith. Let's give the Lord some praise. Father, we thank you that we stand here in your righteousness. We thank you that we obeyed the form of doctrine that was delivered to us. We obeyed your doctrine, Lord, the apostolic doctrine of you, the apostle Jesus Christ. And we thank you that we stand here now in readiness for your appearing in Jesus' name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? Anyone in need of prayer?